Hello, everybody. It's Dave Neal, stand-up comic and host of Bachelor Nation News, coming to you on this Freaky Friday. We have all of your entertainment news in one place, plus an exclusive interview with Two Black Girls, One Pod, Justine and Natasha. You're going to love that content for you today. We have that on the back end of this episode. I'll have all of your entertainment news, what's going on in the Bachelor world on today, June 16th, 2023. It's Bachelor Rush Hour. feeling it today you guys feeling it or what we grooving get that paycheck let's go come on baby hope everyone had a fantastic week the coffee's hitting me strong today it is all good we've got so much to get to i did an interview today i can't tell you for who but it's a major magazine and i don't know how much of it they will print but it'll come out next week before charity season of the bachelorette let me tell you something if you are new to the community or been supporting us since bookshelf dave days Thank you so much for all of your support. Uh, how about that inspirational music for you today? Uh, we're feeling it. We're grooving it. All right, let's get into it. I'm going to cut the music and let's get into our first story of the day. Actually, it involves me. Uh, She's All Batch had mentioned me. They're just picking up the Caitlin Bristow story where she disclosed on her podcast, Off the Vine, what she thought about her ex, Sean. And they had some choice words to say about that. Let's have a listen. Franchise long after even his relationship with Lauren. So I do think it is different. I do think Ari mm-hmm. and Lauren have kind of been way more separate than Ben has been over the years. Mm-hmm. He always kind of trickles back in there. Well, speaking of broken relationships from this franchise, so Caitlin actually had our thoughts, Dave Neal, on her podcast. Mm-hmm. Congrats, Dave. Yay. We are so, so proud of you. you um, she had Dave on, and they were just obviously talking about Bachelor stuff. Mm-hmm. And Caitlin actually admitted that Sean Booth recently texted her after she said that he, quote, used her on a podcast. So this is what Caitlin said. So then they share the audio, which we've already played for you ad nauseum. Uh, but very interesting stuff here that other communities, and no surprise, we love She's All Batch, uh, Jackie and Stephanie, no surprise that they're covering this, but I'm actually surprised it hasn't made it to the Us Weekly yet because, you know, I think it's easy for Us Weekly and other gossip rags to cover stories when they find them on their social medias, but it was pretty well buried in the Off the Vine interview, but my guess is they're going to pick up on this story sooner than later. Um, And it's interesting because, of course, Sean uh, asked Caitlin Bristow not to mention him in any way whatsoever. The relationship's over. Get over it. And then he starts his own podcast and realizes, hey, that's part of the game. (laughs) Warm wishes. (laughs) Toodles. Toodaloo. Uh, But but he also said in the first message, like, I don't know if you want to get together and talk. And so I said, I don't know how you want to go about it. But like, yeah, I've heard shit, too. And then it was just silence. I, I don't know. I think Sean is, like, so in the wrong here, despite the fact that I get that it's probably annoying to constantly get calls from the media being like, Caitlin said this about you. How do you respond? Like, you were on a TV show. I do think that just kind of comes with the territory. It's never going to go away. Even 25 years from now, you might still get a call that's like, hey, remember that one time you were on The Bachelorette? Can you imagine, like, you've done The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, Golden Bachelor, and they're finally still asking you about Caitlin Bristow. Hey, that's the golden age of the show, and I, I do hate the, uh, that's what you signed up for. But that's kind of what they signed up for. And also, speaking of signing up for things, She's All Batch also had Trey Cooper on. We love Trey Cooper. He's a great guy. And he talked about Greg Grippo, and that Greg Grippo wasn't 
wasn't some guy who led KD on. Not that anyone really thought that that was the case, but as we know, Greg Grippo got a lot of hate on Katie Thurston's season, and this is the barrel-scraping time of the year where there isn't too much Bachelor news to cover, so we find ourselves discussing these stories. But here's Trey, also on She's All Batch. Go check out their podcast, Fantastic Work, uh, discussing uh, Greg Grippo's edit. I wasn't there at the tell-all, but you know, leading up to that, they definitely could have made a lot of things look a little bit more authentic to make things make sense. Like, like Greg had concerns the whole time. It wasn't like those concerns came out of nowhere. Like other people had concerns the whole time. It wasn't like, you know, he just sprung them on. And then like, it made it look like he abandoned her. I didn't really like that, but. All right. Yeah. And of course it's like, look, everyone's got concerns. It's no knock on Katie. You're on a dating show where you might get engaged at the end of it. Yeah. There's a lot of concerns. Who's here for the right reasons? Nobody knows. Now I'm going to share with you what Michelle Young had to say about her daily affirmations. I love a good affirmation. Mine that I like to go with is I am enough. I have enough. I want to share it. And I give you all full permission to use that. I didn't write it, but I am enough. And I would like you to share my podcast. Please check out the podcast and rate it, review it, subscribe it. You've already checked it out. You're listening to it. I'm going to get to what Michelle Young had to say right after a quick word from our sponsor. So you know me, old spiritual Dave, and we've got Michelle Young here with her mantras, sharing her daily affirmations. I don't know if you guys believe in the power of the spoken word, but I do believe we all operate on a frequency, and the higher we can increase our frequency of love, love being the highest frequency, when you love what you do, you don't feel like working, but it's true when you love what you do. I love ranting and talking about random stuff. Did you watch my Taisha video today? I had a nice Taisha Adams video, and it's it's a YouTube-only video because... Uh, She let people into her Carrie Bradshaw-like home in New York City and Soho. And it was actually a very fun interview seeing what her home decor looks like. Do you want to see what a $3,000 bar cart looks like that has leather handles? Well, I got you covered. All right, but my point is when you love what you do, that's a higher energy frequency. If you hate your job and are struggling, trust me, find a way and fight like hell to get out of that or change the way you can feel about something to, f- to find the true love there. Because when we operate from those loving frequencies, I think we attract more of that. That's the law of attraction. That's just how the world works. It doesn't have to be, you know, kooky, spiritual. If you don't believe in certain things like that, we're not soaking our crystals here. Although I won't judge you if you do, but saying positive words of affirmation and really feeling it it and visualizing it. That, my friends, is the key to prosperity in this life. Now, you need to take actions. You can't just say, I want a mansion and then just go eat Cheetos and watch Selling Sunset all day. I mean, that might be part of it, but you need to get out there and find a way and fight like hell to to make that happen. Here's Michelle Young reading her aspirations. The audio is not great. She's in the bathroom, I think, so a little echoey. So I'm going to play it for you. I'll pause it to repeat. Okay, I woke up this morning and my anxiety is choosing violence today. So. She said my anxiety is choosing violence. Well, you, anxiety usually chooses violence. Oh, I'm going to bring you along as I recite my affirmations. I'll be intentional with my time each day. I'll be intent, and you guys can repeat them with me. Are you guys ready? I'll be intentional with my time each day. I will invest my time only in others who are investing in me. I will invest my time only in others who are also investing in me. 
I understand not everyone will understand my goals or see my vision. I understand not everybody will understand my goals or see in my vision. I know I personally don't like any affirmations that have a negative answer. So hers says, I understand not everyone will understand my goals or see my vision. I think I would change that to say, I want to surround myself with people that understand my goals and see my vision, but I, but I understand it. Okay. I'm not here to, uh, mantra explain to you. Keep going. Keep going. How's that for two words? Keep going. When you feel like you can't go anymore. I know I'm speaking to somebody out there. It's a Friday afternoon. Statistically, someone just got laid off or didn't get the promotion or something's not going well. Listen, keep going. I trust myself completely. I trust myself completely. And then she whispered it. I trust myself completely. I'll be patient with myself through anxious moments. I'll be patient with myself through anxious moments. Including now. Including now. And I can handle whatever comes my way today. And I can handle whatever comes my way today. I've got this. You got this. I've got this. You've got this. We got this. Wow. Who needed that today? Great words by Michelle Young. Wouldn't we love to get her on an episode of Driving with Dave? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Why don't we all send her a DM? <laughs> we got this. We can do this, folks. That's the new mantra. Do Driving with Dave. Uh, it won't be anxious at all. Uh, uh, I really love Michelle Young, and I love that she is sharing this. Please, if you heard it here first, let Michelle Young know we are vibing with these affirmations on uh, Bachelor at Rush Hour. Very happy for her. And uh, yeah, no, there's other things that can provide anxiety, Michelle. Like Kevin Costner claims a strange wife, Christine Bumgarner, spent $95,000 of his money without prior notice amid divorce. Now, I understand $95,000 is a lot of money, but thanks to his extensive movie career and investment in multiple properties, Kevin Costner actually has an impressive net worth of, hold on, a quarter billion dollars, two hundred fifty million. That's um. What what fraction of nine? What is ninety five thousand? Hold on, let me do the math on this. Okay, just do the math. I could be completely wrong. Please correct me here. But I think ninety five thousand into two hundred fifty million is three ten thousandths of a percentage point. So not exactly crying and setting a GoFundMe up for Kevin Costner, but maybe he can use some of Michelle Young's uh, words of affirmation or uh, uh, her, uh, you know, mantras to feel a little bit better after going through a divorce here. Does he have a prenup? Because uh, either way, Christine Bumgardner is going to be enjoying some property on Yellowstone, uh, the, the TV show and also the ranch. Uh, she's, does she get half the ranch? How does that work? So we're going to jump right into our uh, featured interview right after we pay some bills here. Today's Bachelor Rush Hour is sponsored by Care Of. We've been so excited to have Care Of as a sponsor of our channel all week long. It's a subscription service that ships high-quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month. And with our coupon code, you're actually going to get 50% off, which is a lot of money, the first month. Take a short, in-depth quiz about your lifestyle, and you can do that for free before actually committing to buying anything. And they give you a personalized doctor backed recommendation. I'm using the collagen powder. It's put, you know, putting it in my morning coffee. It's good for your skin, keeps it hydrated. You know me, I can't be running a, a bachelor recap empire and looking old and tired, not on my watch. For 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com. Use code RUSHHOUR50, that is takecareof.com and enter code RUSHHOUR50 for half off your first order. You can't beat that. All right, without further ado, let's enjoy this in you know what you know what I'll say before I get to the interview I'll just say this we talk about some 
you know, relatively heavy topics, which is race as it is on the show. And it would never be my intention to just invite two black girls, one rose onto the podcast here to just talk about race. That's not a burden I want to place on anybody. Uh, We do discuss, though, the sort of strategy as a white male content creator to have discussions about complicated issues that I might not be the victim of. And those conversations, I think, are good to have. I think we can all agree with that. But there's so much more to this conversation. I really hope you enjoy uh, my chat here. And please go to the link in the description, subscribe to their podcast, join their Patreon if you can, DM them on Instagram, let them know you heard them over here at Bachelor Rush Hour, and let's help elevate other podcasts so we can all enjoy a piece of the pie. Without further ado, enjoy this conversation. All right, so excited. Our guests today are unpacking modern love through pop TV. Their hit podcast, Two Black Girls, One Rose, was featured in Time Magazine as a top 50 podcast. Please welcome to the show, Natasha and Justine. Hey, guys, how are you? Hey, Dave. Good. So good to talk. I'm doing great. Thanks. So good to talk to you guys. (laughs) Um, I guess I'll start with Natasha. How did you guys get into recapping The Bachelor and and what was it like uh, getting this ball rolling to becoming a top podcast? Yeah, so Justine and I have been friends since high school, um, so going on like 15 years now. We've always had a shared love of reality TV, um, and so I've always watched The Bachelor. I remember, I specifically remember watching season one, so I've been in this this world for a minute, um, but it was during Rachel Lindsay's season that I kind of like scooped Justine into this world. Um, <laughs> Justine, you kind of watched a little bit, right, The Bachelor? Yeah, yeah. I watched the last two episodes usually to see who was going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, Rachel Lindsay season, we had like a ritual every week we'd get together. We would drink wine. We'd watch her show. Um, it was also during her season that I discovered the world of like bachelor podcasts. <laughs> I, I just loved Rachel Lindsay so much. I wanted to hear more. Um, and in listening to the podcast, I felt like, they were watching a different show than I was. Um, I just feel like the conversations weren't nuanced. This black woman's experience finding love on TV. Um, and I was enjoying mine and Justine's conversation more than what I was hearing. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we kind of decided to start a little fun, creative project together and start a podcast and didn't know if anyone would listen to it besides our mothers. Um, mm-hmm. And pretty much immediately, we always had listeners. I think um, there were no no people of color specifically within Bachelor Nation podcasting sphere talking about The Bachelor. So mm-hmm. our voice, um, I think people were, it was like a breath of fresh air. People really wanted to hear our perspective as, you know, two black ass girls talking about this white ass show. And mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, we gave voice to people that have been watching the shows for years, but didn't really see themselves reflected, didn't really hear it in the commentary. Um, and that's, yeah, kind of how we got started. Yeah. And what a wild season to get started with, considering they had, you know, contestants on. And this was the beginning of unearthing people's dark history, their tweets, this and that. And it was a it wasn't exactly handled well by the show. Were you able when when you started, uh, you know, getting feedback, were you surprised at where the culture was because, you know, I don't know about you guys, but you know, I live in LA, I lived in New York, you know, you kind of expect people to be treated fairly and uh, equally and things like that. When you watch the show, you're exposing different cultures, the South, the Northeast, the Pacific West, all over into one conversation. How did that, how did that feel? Did you feel like you were surprised at all by 
the conversation that were happening in the comment sections and, and any sort of people that mm-hmm. had um, opposing thoughts to you? Mm-hmm. Question, Dave. Are you talking about the contestants on the show or are you talking about the people who watch the show? Kind of a combination where you'll get, obviously, okay. we, uh, in Rachel Lee, uh, Rachel's season, they had Lee who had tweeted hor- horrifying things and mm-hmm. he was exposed in this and that. But, you know, what at, at that time, you, you were these contestants were still be you know on the show whereas now a little bit better vetting process it's still it still sneaks through by all means but the mm-hmm. audience it seems can be very apologetic to people that have been either sexist or racist or things like that so were you surprised mm-hmm. at any backlash that you might have received from people when you started covering the show no mm-hmm. i think having <laughs> a show Knowing that the first black lead was in, when was that? That was 2017 in a show that started in Mm -hmm. 2000. I assumed that that was a racist audience Um, Mm -hmm. because why wouldn't it be? Because, or a mostly racist audience, I would say. But also I think an interesting point you brought up that you've lived in LA, you've lived in New York. I think one of the things that I've learned even in traveling as an individual black woman myself is that, racism is still entertainment for people who do not live on the coast. Um, and I had never seen until Lee on Rachel season racism used as a tool for entertainment on modern television. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. And uh, please Natasha, where, so where do you guys think, I mean, you know, where do you think you fit in? Because there's the issue of not wanting to have, you know, the emotional labor of being the the mm-hmm. podcast that has to discuss these things. So I don't want to stay on this too long because um, I don't. I think mm-hmm. there's so much more to talk about here with you guys. But did that did that did that burden immediately fall fall on you as the only podcasters or recappers that were that were having these difficult conversations? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Bachelor, the Bachelor franchise has been kind of unapologetically white. I mean, mm-hmm. not many shows have existed on TV for over 20 years. That's just like not a thing. Um, and so for them to take as long as they did to cast their first black lead, um, the show has been just very unapologetic about its whiteness and perpetuating white leads and white storylines. So Bachelor Nation as an audience is also starkly white and kind of it, you know, there was nothing really that surprised us about kind of the um, critiques that we might have seen over the years as being black podcasters in this space. Um, So that's just one thing I wanted to say. And then, um, Ooh, I lost my train of thought. What was your question? Well, just no, because there's there's obviously when the show goes through their casting process in the past, they'd be very token with the types of people that they would cast. They would cover a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But the true storylines, at least in the past, were that only the people that, you know, if there's a white lead, they would choose a top four that were white. And even Rachel Lindsay had said that uh, they weren't casting um, diverse people that wanted to date diverse people. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. so that would perpetuate the, well, if so-and-so wasn't a 
the top five, why would they be considered for the lead? And if they're not going to be the lead, then the cast won't be diverse. And it just became this year after year, uh, sort of the same story. Now we've got Charity and the show uh, did a terrible job with Matt James as lead telling his story. <laughs> Obviously, Rachel Lindsay took the brunt of uh, dealing with issues uh, like the poor casting choices and things like that. How do you think Charity season will differ from past seasons? Um, I think there's a reason why if there's a mess, a black woman is publicly used to clean it up. I think that Matt James, as a black man um, who seemed to be um, uh, coming into his black identity on the show, and also it was during 2020, he was forced into a place of diversity. Um, there was so, we always say that like every single thing you could do wrong with a diversity initiative, watch Matt James' season of The Bachelor. It's a case study on everything to do wrong. Um, but when it comes to black women, like Michelle's season was like almost flawless. Um, she had a really great season with great diverse guys. She had a top four that were all black men. Um, and so I think when it comes to, and also charities cast, I haven't looked deep, deep into them yet, but the photo looks pretty diverse from what I'm seeing. Um, and so it seems like the black women who are the leads of the show tend to carry it, um, with a lot of. Uh, grace and some wonderful storytelling um, and a, a little bit of thrown in entertainment in there as well. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, oops, go, go for it, Natasha. Um, yeah, I was just going to say like I, what I'm hoping is different uh, with charity season is just us getting to know charity. I feel like that was one of the biggest flaws of Matt James's season as he was kind of like this walking figurehead. Um, he was the black bachelor, but we didn't know Matt at all. We got to know mm -hmm. his dad. We got to know kind of like problematic areas of his story, um, but we didn't get to know him as a man and as a black man. Um, and I think mm -hmm. with charity, similarly, I just want to get to know this woman. I want to know her more. Um, and I think ultimately we, Justine and I, we have fun watching the show. Like, do we have nuanced conversations that are sometimes difficult? Yes. But at the same time, we're just watching what we're seeing on, on the television screen. So mm -hmm. we are going to this and hoping and expecting like everyone else to see a love story. Um, mm -hmm. But we're also going to what we're seeing on screen and so if we get to learn charity and get to watch her journey and get to know the stories of all the men particularly the men of color i would love to get to know who these men are too um mm -hmm. then i think it would make for a great season because we tune into the bachelor because we want to see a fun love story yeah and it's so it's so wild and I, I look at it as like an editor and a, you know storyboarder where i'm looking at this going oh my gosh they're going for the short uh they're, they're almost so focused on finding the drama that they're not airing out the storyline and if you don't air out the storylines, then the drama is surface level because we're not deeper into like rooting for everybody. And of course, with mm -hmm. Matt James, you could spend two minutes on his social media and learn more about his personality than what the show gave us. And he's like a rock star guy. And unfortunately, you know, he was cast and probably I don't know if it's insulting, but the way that they cast him. Um, when, when that was their way of knowing they were dealing with uh, their own, uh, you know, whiteness be, being that they hadn't had a male lead of color and this and that. And then all of a sudden they're like, no, 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 here he is. And it's like, well, let's be a little skeptical. They did drop the ball on it, but I'm all for uh, for charity and Michelle Young to 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 give us a chance to have like a real powerful story that I hope they share. Um, mm -hmm. When I look at 
The Bachelor. I look at it the way we look at McDonald's. Everyone talks about McDonald's and how t- terrible the food is for you. And it's because it's the largest restaurant in the world. So th- that's the one we talk about. Mm-hmm. Bachelor's the mm-hmm. largest dating show in our world. But um, we've got all these other niche shows coming out. Uh, Ultimatum. Uh, this season, it's an all-female queer cast. What other shows are you guys watching that you think can The Bachelor can learn from with how they're telling their story? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they can learn from a lot of the dating shows that are happening right mm-hmm. now. I think mm-hmm. The Bachelor continues to try to operate in this fantasy land. Um, and I think as viewers, as TV consumers, we're a lot smarter now. Um, mm-hmm. And we live in an age of modern dating. And so there has to be an acknowledgement of modern dating, hookup culture. So even shows as vapid as Too Hot to handle they are talking mm-hmm. about modern day cook-up culture you know they're talking you know in f-boy island they had an episode where the girls were going through the guy's phones like that mm-hmm. is interesting because that's what people in everyday life when we're dating uh, that's what we're dealing with um i think marriage uh married at first sight is another show that we recap Married at first sight consistently from season one has casted diverse couples there's been a black couple on every single season um they've shown the bachelor that casting diversity is not that hard. Um, so I think if you look around at any of the shows that are happening now um, in the reality dating space, they've kind of like jumped leaps and bounds over The Bachelor um, in terms of really connecting with viewers in a real way that resonates with them and what's happening in modern dating and love. Yeah, I wonder I wonder if The Bachelor has just played it safe because things have worked out, whereas these niche shows can go in and give a real interesting look in in to, to use one that's not even really a dating show, uh, Vanderpump Rules is so, to me, so innovative in their way they edit. They bring screen grabs from people's tweets. They, they pull together all these side stories into the main storyline and have weekly recaps. It almost feels like these small market um, dating shows are just running circles around The Bachelor. But I think now that The mm-hmm. Bachelor has slipped a little bit, we might see uh, uh, what you know some some tricks that they're going to pull from other shows to make it a little bit more interesting. But that's a really good point about the fact that The Bachelor will take your phone away versus include it in the convo, and they're so they've mm-hmm. they've become so far removed from modern dating. Um, uh, Justine, how has um, Ma- how has uh, your curiosity with modern dating led to your thoughts on the, the Bachelor? Like, do you watch the show as if you're dating these guys, or are you watching it as Charity's best friend? Like, where, where, what's your sort of yeah. way of looking at the show? Definitely, when I watch The Bachelorette, I am Team Bachelorette, which is so much more fun than watching The Bachelor because, as you stated earlier, the drama tends to be so vapid. And when I think about like Peter the pilot, I think about that champagne drama that we had with Hannah Ann and the other one and just how many weeks that went on and how you couldn't cheer for anybody. But when it's the bachelorette, you can cheer for the bachelorette. Um, The unfortunate part is that because so many elements of the real world are taken out, I can't think that they're actually dating. (laughs) I can really think they're trying to speed up to engagement really, really quickly, um, which can, I think adds to the Bachelor formula of it being a fantasy. 
which I think is why people tune in every single Monday to tune into a fantasy for two hours and forget about the rest of the week. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. The fantasy aspect is there because yeah, there's nothing, n- nothing about reality there. And, you know, as the show kind of got so heavy in the influencer culture, now we're seeing Zach shall cross mm-hmm. and Katie bigger go back to work. So maybe mm-hmm. we're seeing less of a, less of a incentive to be a part of that influencer world, which I don't care either way. I think the idea of being there for the right reasons uh, uh, implies there's only a good reason and a bad reason. And I think there can be plenty of reasons. Um, Yeah. But Mm -hmm. tell us, I want to know more about your podcast. Uh, You know, you got featured in time a couple years ago and you guys got a ton of uh, great reviews online. What, what is the journey been like um, uh, for you guys to kind of brand yourselves and, 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 uh, be, uh, such a big part of this niche. And what are your plans to get out of the bachelor niche? As I think everyone wants to be ready to join it and then leave it if possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we've been really blessed with creating an awesome community and having really smart, thoughtful listeners who've just been along this journey of uh, with us. Um, we've, you know, we've been recapping since Ari season and we've, you know, had some seasons that were a blast. And then we had some seasons like Matt James's, which was really hard to recap. Um, I think when it came to Zach's season, we kind of drew the line there and we're like, we just can't, (laughs) I feel like there was a lack of excitement around Zach in general, not just from us, but from our listeners and from bachelor nation. So we took that as an opportunity to, you know, try a different show and dive into merit at first sight. Um, And that journey allowed us to think finally beyond just the bachelor for our podcast. And what we've essentially been doing on our platform for the past five years is having conversations about dating relationships and love, but through the lens of the bachelor. Um, What does that look like if we, you know, tackle those same questions and those same topics, but through the lens of many different shows. Um, So we've been in a period right now of, um, I would say for at least the last six months, exploring um, what is it that we can learn about dating, love, and relationships through popular television. So that's taken us to other dating reality shows like Love is Blind, Man at First Sight, um, but even shows like we just today dropped a recap on The Idol, um, which is a hugely problematic show on HBO um, that looks at a very toxic relationship. And so we kind of talk about, you know, that that what does that look like um, and what is there to learn about relationships um, through that lens. Um, so it's been really awesome to be on this journey with our listeners and to um, just have really nuanced conversations about um, a very universal topic, which is love. Everybody can relate to it. And so why not? You know, I talk a lot about um, the law of divine compensation, and it's the idea that we we generally shame each other when we try to monetize things. Not we specifically, but, you know, oh, so-and-so's got a cameo. Oh, so-and-so's trying to make money off of this. And I'm all like super free market, make your money where you can. I've got a Patreon, and you guys are pretty big with your Patreon. Um, how much of your content is exclusively for the Patreon, and what was that decision like to put it behind a paywall? That's funny you say that. I was just telling somebody else about this today. We um, have now about two thirds of our content on Patreon and one third of our content is on the public feed. So we do at least three episodes a week. 
two are on Patreon and one is for the public feed. You can get the one on the public feed ad free on Patreon as well. Um, but back in April 2019, we decided to go on Patreon because we had this podcast for a year and a half with not a single sponsorship, with not a single ad and not a single agency reaching out to us. And when we reached out to the Better Helps, to the Blue Aprons, to the Hello Freshes, they asked us, well, what if The Bachelor ends? Or, well, what are we going to do with our investment if you guys don't succeed? And we had just heard them on previous podcasts and it didn't make any sense to us. The ad um, world just didn't make any sense for us to go straight into, but it made a lot of sense to us to go for us to go to Patreon because we were putting out so much content for free and we were both working at the time, our nine to fives. Um, and so it was very much a fun, creative project that we started as friends that became a business. And so we had to figure out a way to monetize that business. So when you talk about uh, unpacking relationships, how has uh, the running a business with your good friend changed your relationship, Natasha? Mm-hmm. Oh, my my romantic relationship or our relationship? Your relationship, <laughs> but romantic okay. as well, whatever, whichever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Justine and I, I think what we have is really special. We... Mm-hmm are genuinely friends. We've known each other for over 15 years now. Um, She's damn near a sister to me. Um, And we have a respect for each other in the space creatively. Um, The ideas she brings, the ideas I bring, we are very open with each other with ideas for the business and creatively where we want to take it. Um, But also we both play into each other's strengths. And I think that's what's Mm -hmm. enabled us to build this business. Justine has a background in public relations in relationship management. um, And that's an area that has brought a lot of value to our business. Um, I have a background in nonprofit management, um, managing teams, um, and so we play to each other's strengths and it's allowed us to really work well together as a team. But at the end of the day, we respect each other as well. And there's a sisterhood, there's an openness, there's like a genuine care and love for each other. And we've been on this grind together. Um, and so if anything, it's like strengthened our bond. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I feel like it is not you always hear it's not you know never work with friends never work with family like everyone's heard that um and to some respect there is um there can be truth in that i think she and i have just been really blessed that we've worked so well together and and we've been doing it for almost six years now oh that's really great to hear uh i'm very i mean and it can tell with the audience you guys come off super authentic and that vibrancy is definitely something that when you see podcasts that don't have it, Bachelor, Happy Hour, and you know these like plug and play alumni podcasts that have no soul whatsoever, you get to, see, you know, and then and it makes people like you and myself and those that do this, you know, are building our own business. It makes us look that much better mm-hmm. when you know, grocery store Joe. You can see, you can like literally see in his eyes he's watching a basketball game. During- yeah, his glaze. <laughs> Like a crispy glaze <laughs> over, and that's what you get. That's what you get when you when you take the paycheck. But when his time's over, yeah. they they can fire him, and you guys yeah. are are one step closer to that independence because you're independent media. And part of that, like mm-hmm. we were saying with Patreon, is you know you you got to find people that believe in you, and and you got to build with them. And and we all have different niches. I mean, I by all means, mm-hmm. my story is so different from you guys. But I, as a guy, mm-hmm. well, as a white guy 
92% of my audience are women. So I've got my mm-hmm. foot in the door because I'm just like a guy, I'm like a parasocial boyfriend. And I only say that because mm-hmm. I get emails from people telling me that. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, your boyfriends no. should be paying me for, you know, for uh, keeping your, <laughs> keeping keeping your, your company, keeping your company. Yeah, that's right. Um, wow. So for you guys, uh, you know, I, I feel like what, well, what's the strategy when, when people say, Oh, what are you going to do in bachelor ends? So you've started on some other, some other podcasts, uh, some other, uh, recaps, uh, uh shows. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you noticing, uh, the same amount of traffic to your channel? Is it like, like, is, is that moving a little bit away from bachelor working out right now? Yeah, we're seeing a little bit of a shift, but we're also trying a bunch of new things at the same time. So it's not like we're just switched from covering The Bachelor to covering Married at First Sight. We switched from covering The Bachelor to covering Married at First Sight. Perfect match. Love is blind. They also made them. Like we're covering everything and we're really broadening our audience by having that episode up on the public feed once a week. So once a week we're in Everybody who wants to hear us, we're in their ears. We also have an awesome uh, Instagram community as well that's been growing really steadily over the past six months from our green screen videos that we put up that are insightful but very short around like the two to three minute mark. And hopefully people want more from those. Um, But even engaging those people over on Instagram has been beneficial I think to our public feed so we have a bunch of like different strategies going on so it's hard to answer that question if it's because of the bachelor or not yeah well because Mm -hmm. I've noticed with the start of my podcast that that's more of a steady every day the same amount of downloads but with YouTube it's so Mm -hmm. high I mean my my Chris Harrison when Mm -hmm. when Chris Harrison was getting through going through his Mm -hmm. mess that was the highlight and you you really do get to see with YouTube and and it's probably the same with news if it bleeds it leads these terrifying terrifying Mm -hmm. stories they do so well online and I don't think it's for the right reasons I think Mm -mm. there needs to be more putting out the fires than starting them and Mm -hmm. I feel like long-form conversations can do that but in the end we're still at least on YouTube, uh, sort of diluted down to a clickbait thumbnail or no one's going to watch yeah. a video. So it's kind of like, yeah. how do you play within the the media world, but also bring to it your own levity? I did want to ask you guys, do you watch Vanderpump Rules and just see a bunch of reality stars that are crazy? Or do you see a bunch of white people that are crazy? Because <laughs> it's a very toxic <laughs> white crowd of people on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of both. I mean, I think I see, yeah, people are crazy. I see like LA people, like I'm all around the East Coast. (laughs) Yeah, what we see is like, these are the people that move to LA. Like everybody's aspiring to be something. These people are broke, you know, servers, bartenders who are aspiring something. They now have hit it big on this show. And now they have gotten a little bit of the fame that they were always seeking. So I see, yeah, crazy like LA people. I see just crazy reality stars and people who are like fame hungry. I also do see Mm -hmm. crazy white people because half the stuff that they do on that show, I don't know anybody, none of my friends, we act like this. So like I see just kind of people, if anything, that are kind of like, fame hungry and they're mm-hmm. getting to just like live out and act out and do that on TV for us. Yeah, you are. They are rewarded for sure. Like they, they, they're told, mm-hmm. and I'm sure this is the same thing with bachelor in paradise. They're told, look, if you want this show to do well, if you want to come back, you need to ramp up the drama. You need to say this. And the non problematic people 
are the ones that don't get invited back to Bachelor in Paradise or get invited back mm-hmm. on the show. So there is a reward mm-hmm. for like toxic behavior. And mm-hmm. I guess the question becomes, and I don't know what the answer is, can the show thrive without causing so much damage to people, whether it's yeah. through sexist issues or racist issues? Like, can we can we play to everyone's highest intelligence and not to the barbaricism that we all come from in, in our young country. I think um, that's interesting because when I think of Vanderpump rules and I think of the money, especially the females on Vanderpump rules have made, it's because of merch. And as long as we're repping the drama that they're putting, like send yeah. it to Daryl, great sweatshirt. That is a great idea. <laughs> Um, fuck me in this t-shirt that is a great idea and she launched it that next day she was ready and prepped so the fact that we're representing everybody's barbaric behavior as if it is um a college that we went to or um i heart new york t-shirt i don't think that's gonna stop yeah it's um and again i think the bachelor has a stricter um, contracts, yeah. at least for the first year. So Definitely. Katie Thurston right. can't promote a different vibrator because she had a vibrator right. on the show, all these things. Um, but mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And, and I don't want to, um, hang up on this issue, but as a white male creator, because that's what I am and I don't hide behind it, where can I improve with the way that I cover race issues on the show? So as not to, uh, make apologies for anybody or speak for anybody, but keep a conversation going in the right direction. Where can I improve there? Hmm. Or, or in general, it doesn't mean, have to be me. It can just be, it can be white creators in general. Mm-hmm. I think um, being critical and just asking why, um, I think that's yeah. one thing that we kind of naturally do. Our lens is naturally to question what we're watching or question why does that girl, you know, why does she look like the victim, but he looks like, or she looks like the perpetrator. Like, you know, we kind of naturally have that lens of questioning, particularly spaces of whiteness that white black people are going to be the minority in. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think just having that lens on um, which, you know, as a white male or as white creators, um, you're only in the shoes that you're, you know, in the body that you're born in. So it's not natural maybe to do some of that critiquing, um, but also just kind of questioning the story that you're seeing um, and being open to understanding, um, you know, how could this be, how could this have been misconstrued or told in the favor that this, told in the way that disfavors the people of color in the scene, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I'm just seeing as there. I would say something really important that a lot of people don't get that I think minorities get off the bat, um, especially people who are in racial uh, diversity, is that people are allowed to have more than one identity. So Charity is not just a woman and she's not just black. She's a black woman. Um, We're even exploring that now with the ultimatum queer love, where there are non-binary people, there are mask people, there are femme people, and there are white femme people, there are black mask people. Um, and so being able to really notice all of those intricacies and just make sure you're playing off of all of that is really good. I think even today when you're asking us about race on the show, but also asking us about our friendship, that's playing into womanhood and playing into blackness. Um, and so just making sure you're kind of looking at all of those angles of all of those identities is really important. 
Well, thank you. And I, and I ask because I, I read way too many comments that I receive on a lot of these topics. And it was jarring for a lot of people to see a white guy try to break down racial issues when I have no sort of um, uh, true experience uh, to, to, to uh, how a lot of these would go down. But the only way I can look at it is say, look, I have 92% audience that are women. I'm guessing a mm-hmm. high percentage of them white. And they may hear me out in a way because they might empathize with my viewpoint that they may not initially with somebody else. So for me, it's Mm -hmm. a net positive to at least have the conversation. And at Mm -hmm. the same time, I feel like too many people are scared to get it wrong, which I can respect too. I just think we need to be willing to have conversations. But like you said, don't focus on on someone's identity as their whole identity, but just how you see the world uh, coming from the lens you come from. It just seems mm-hmm. so normal to me, but you know, we we're mm-hmm. on and not to sound like a coastal elite. I'm from a pretty redneck town. <laughs> I mean, I'm from like a redneck town in Rhode Island, a very white town. And, um, I, mm-hmm. I know where I come from and know ignorance and fear and, and, and how we, we empathize with somebody that looks more like us naturally, genetically. And that mm-hmm. doesn't, I think we all need to do better than that into like, I put it this way. If I get pulled over by a cop or if someone cuts me off or if the cashier lady's rude to me, I don't think it's because of my skin color. I just think that person's an asshole. I've got that Mm -hmm. wild privilege of not thinking someone's treating me a certain way because of my gender or skin color. And I know that these conversations don't just solve everything, but if we can slowly open everyone's eyes up to, to, to the ways that TV shows are not fairly representing cast members or playing to, uh, to token tropes and things like that. I think that's Mm -hmm. a healthy conversation to have. And too often, I think the easy response from some commenters will be like, why are we playing the race card? Why? And it's like, it doesn't have to be so weaponized like that. We can just have these conversations. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to, as you said, like acknowledge that you're going to get it wrong. And being okay yeah. with that. Because I think yeah. it's better to have the co- conversation, the dialogue with some mess ups than to not have the conversation at all or to place the burden of these conversations squarely on Black people. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that is um, something that a lot of white people have to kind of accept and take that risk and get over that fear that they're going to say something wrong and just mm-hmm. acknowledge that you are going to get it wrong. And that is fine. <laughs> it's better to have the conversation than to not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it sounds so, so ridiculous to, to talk about the fear of a white person that they might say the wrong thing versus an actual fear of police brutality or other mm-hmm. issues that exist in our, what is supposed to be one of the greatest countries in the world. I mean, we're, we can't even mm-hmm. give birth without, uh, you know, tr- uh, uh, I mean, we're literally in a third world country right now. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> tragic. Indeed. It it's is. bad. It's so bad, yeah. what, uh, before I let you guys go, and by, by the way, please come back anytime. I'd love to talk to you guys more. Um, uh, fantastic uh, insight you guys have. What have you guys disagreed on? Is there, has there ever been like a storyline? Like I'm pro Greg Grippo. I'm anti Greg Grippo. <laughs> Ooh. Or are you just two peas in a pod? Oh, we man. definitely disagree a lot. Justine and I are, not, I won't say disagree, but we're, we can be very much opposites. Yeah. Um, we have like very different, you know, even our dating romantic life, we've had like different tastes in yeah. people. So, um, but I'm thinking from like a show. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think too. I can't think of anything that was like fundamental. It really, we get the disagreements in the very beginning where it's well, like, about, I like his suit. I don't like his suit. Like, <laughs> how about any, yeah. any, any like villains that you thought just got a bad rap and they're good people or like. Wow, my mind is going blank. I know, I can't think of any. Well, because when I watch the show, like I love my wife, we'll, we'll watch the same conversation and then we'll have two different opinions. And I'd be like, wow, that guy's just trying yeah. to X, Y, and Z. No, he's not. He's an a-hole, you know, kind of like, yeah. and I feel like I have yeah. that with my audience where we'll do a live stream right after the show and I'll be like, oh, Thomas wasn't that bad. And what are you talking about? He's the worst. And it seems to mm-hmm. be that we, um, we, it, it, it's a good, um, it's a good indicator to remind us that, that we all can watch the same thing and it can react we can react differently chemically to to the show that we watch but it sounds like you guys long-term mm-hmm. friends are, are coming at it from a similar point of view which is totally fair um like i said i just i i'll i'll naturally defend the guys when i saw greg grippo everyone's calling him a gaslighter i was like i don't know he feels like he's trying his best but that greg grippo <laughs> looks like a lot of guys people have dated and can then become mm. the yeah that 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 trigger can exist the where, personal villain of their personal story yeah mm-hmm. i know i look like a lot of people's exes out there i, I look like <laughs> every white guy so people just i've been i can't tell you how many strangers have told me i look punchable <laughs> what damn not punchable <laughs> yeah um but um, oh, no, no i'm happy you guys are thriving out there and i really wish you guys the best uh, within the bachelor world and outside of it what are your goals for this this bachelor season as it comes up next week yeah, we I'm looking forward to it. I mean, we've been we missed Zach season, so we were kind of out the loop. Um, I am just going in with an open mind and open heart to charity and hoping that we see any I'm open. I'm open to any new changes that the franchise wants to throw at us. I think the mm-hmm. viewers were hungry for change. Um, it's overdue for just any little update that they want to throw at us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very open, um, but I'm excited to dig back into watching this beautiful black woman's journey for love. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, I'm excited for it. I thought mm-hmm. when they when they teased her brother going undercover, I, w- I was like, this <laughs> season might have a chance to be a great season. If, if they're going to have a little fun and make it kind of sexy and fun again and get the brother involved. Yeah. Just have fun. That's mm-hmm. a good place to start. Yes. What's the mm-hmm. number one way that my audience can support you guys uh, as they check out this interview? Well, how can they uh, kind of consume your content and all that? Yeah. You can check us out on Patreon, patreon.com backslash two black girls, the number one rose. Um, also the same is on our Instagram and our TikTok. Everything else is the number two black girls, number one rose. Um, and yeah, support us on Patreon. Yeah. The first two episodes of charity season will be free. So you can get, check that out on the public feed and then join our Patreon. Come on over. Great. Well, yeah. th- thanks again for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having us. This is so great. All right, guys. And I really want to thank Justine and Natasha for coming on the show to discuss not only The Bachelor, but reality TV and also, you know, the different um, conversations that exist out there regarding how we all watch the show. Please do me a favor and follow them on Instagram, Two Black Girls, One Rose, and also link in the description below to check out their podcast. Give it a five-star rating. Have a listen to it. Comment on their, you know, Instagram photos. All those things really help independent content creators 
join their Patreon if you can, and let them know you heard them over here on Bachelor Rush Hour. It's always good as content creators to know that our time was worthwhile. You know, when I did um, Your Mom and Dad Pod with Jess Ambrose, I love when people say, oh, I finally heard you over there, or I heard you on Reality Steve. It makes it feel like our collaborating is worth it, not just for conversations we're having with each other, but to share in our audiences as we have some of these conversations. I hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. If you do want to check out this interview, it'll be live tomorrow on the YouTube channel. I appreciate everyone's support. And next week is our final week of barrel scraping season. Let's have fun. Let's get ready for a ton of content. Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, Golden Bachelor, and Bachelor. We are all booked up until March 2024. Can you believe it? And if you really want some behind-the-scenes content on today's Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Neal, I had an extensive conversation about the new vehicle I might be buying for driving with Dave. And it all and I we also had a conversation about the magazine or whatever periodical you want to call it that I just interviewed with and gave you all the behind the scenes on making all of this content. So I appreciate all of you. You've probably made it home by now. Have a fantastic day. Say those mantras. Be good out there. Much love to you. I've been Dave Neal. This was Bachelor Rush Hour. Bachelor Rush Hour.